Chapter Six, Part Three of Three of Kangaroo by D. H. Lawrence. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by William Jones, Benita Springs, Florida. Kangaroo, Chapter Six, Part Three of Three. Kangaroo arrived the next day at Tureston with a large bunch of violets in his hand, pale, expensive, late winter violets. He took off his hat to Harriet and bowed quite deep without shaking hands. He had been a student in Munich. "'Oh, how do you do?' cried Harriet. "'Please don't look at the horrid room. We leave in the morning.' Kangaroo looked vacantly around. He was not interested, so he saw nothing. He might as well have been blind. "'It's a very nice room,' he said. "'May I give you the violets? The port said you liked having them about.' She took them in her two hands, smelling the very faint fragrance. "'They're not like English violets or those big dark fellows in Italy,' he said. "'But still we persuade ourselves that they are violets.' "'They're lovely. I feel I could warm my hands over them,' she said and now they're quite happy violets he replied smiling his rare sweet smile at her why are you taking the port away from sydney lovat he wants to go lovat what a good name to call him by he turned to summers looking at him closely may i call you lovat better than the poet said somers lifting his nose slightly with aversion the other man laughed but softly and happily his muse he's not in love with he murmured to himself no he prefers his own name said somers but supposing now said kangaroo as if alert and interested your name was cooley benjamin cooley ben for short you'd prefer even kangaroo to that in australia the kangaroo is the king of beasts said somers the kangaroo is the king of beasts, inviting the other ones out to feasts, sang the big man, continuing. Won't you both come to dinner with the king of beasts? Won't you come to Mrs. Somers? You know you only want Lovat to talk your man stuff. I'm not a man, I'm a kangaroo. Besides yesterday, I hadn't seen you. If I had known, my dear Somers, that your wife, who is at this moment in her room hastily changing her dress, was such a beautiful person, I don't say woman, merely, I'd have invited you for her sake and not for your own. Well, then, I wouldn't have come, said Somers. Here, them, what a haughty pair of individuals. I suppose you expect the king of beasts to go down on his knees to you, like the rest of democratic kings and their constituents won't you get ready mrs somers are you quite sure you want me to come said harriet suspiciously why if you won't come i shall ask lovat dear lovat by the happiest fluke in the world not loveless to let me stay here to tea dinner or supper that is to the next meal whatever name it may bear at this harriet disappeared to put on a proper dress we will go as soon as you are ready, called Kangaroo. We can all squeeze into that automobile at your gate. When Harriet reappeared, the men rose. Kangaroo looked at her with admiration. 
What a remarkably beautiful person you are, he said. But mind, I won't say woman. Dio liberi, he scuttled hurriedly to the door. They had a gay dinner. Kangaroo wasn't really witty, but he had such an innocent charm, an extraordinary winsomeness, that it was much more delicious than wit. His present was so warm. You felt you were cuddled cosily like a child on his breast, in the soft glow of his heart, and that your feet were nestling on his ample, beautiful tummy. I wonder you were never married, said Harriet to him. I've been married several times, he replied. Really, she cried, first to Benny Cooley, then to Immortal Verse, and after that to the law, once to a haughty lady, and now I'm wedded to my ideals. This time it is final. I won't take another wife. I don't care about the rest, but were you ever married, really? To a woman? A mere woman? Why? yes indeed a young baroness too and after seven months she told me she couldn't stand me for another minute and went off with von rumpeldorf is it true quite true and is there still a mrs kangaroo alas no like the unicorn the family knows no female but why couldn't she stand you cried harriet think of it now could any woman stand me he asked with a slight shrug. I should have thought they'd have adored you, she cried. Of course they do. They can't stand me, though, and I thoroughly sympathize with them. Harriet looked at him thoughtfully. Yes, she said slowly, you're too much like Abraham's bosom. One would feel nowhere. Kangaroo threw down his napkin and pushed back his chair and roared with laughter, roared and roared with laughter. The Chinese men-servant stood back perturbed. Harriet went very red. The dinner waited. Then suddenly he became quiet, looking comically at Harriet and still sitting back from the table. Then he opened his arms and held them outstretched, his head on one side. The way to nowhere he said ironically. She did not say any more, and he turned to the manservant. My glass is empty, John, he said. Ah, oh, well, he sighed. If you please one woman, you can't please all women. And you must please all women, said Harriet thoughtfully. Yes, perhaps you must. Perhaps it is your mission. Mission? Good God, now I'm a fat missionary. Dear Mrs. Summers, eat my dinner, but don't swallow me in a mouthful. Eating your host for hors d'oeuvres? <laughs> You're a dangerous ogre, a Medusa with her hair under her hat. Let's talk of peach melba. Where have you had the very best peach melba you ever tasted? After this he became quiet and a little constrained. And when they had withdrawn for coffee, the talk went subduedly with a little difficulty. I suppose your husband will have told you, Mrs. Summers, of our heaven-inspired scheme of saving Australia from the thieves, dingoes, rabbits, rats, and starlings, humanly speaking. No, he hasn't told me. He's only told me that there was some political business going on. He may as well put it that way as any other. And you advised him not to have anything to do with it? 
no said harriet i let him do as he likes wonderful woman even the wind bloweth where it listeth so does he with your permission the wind has permission too said harriet everything goes by permission of something else in this world but she went rather red bravo a daniel come to judgment then his voice changed became gentle and winning again it was as if he had remembered to love her in his way of love it's not quite a political thing he said we want to take away the strain the, the nervous tension out of life and let folks be happy again unconsciously instead of unhappy consciously you wouldn't say that was wrong would you no she replied rather unwilling and i have to be a fat old kangaroo with not an abraham's bosom but a pouch to carry young australia in why do you resent it harriet laughed glancing involuntarily at his lowest waistcoat button it seemed such a true figure why should i resent it see it's not my business let it be your business just a little bit i want your sympathy you mean you want lovat poor lovat richard lovat summers i do indeed want him but just as much i want your sympathy harriet smiled enigmatically she was being her most annoying a look of almost vicious anger came over the man's face as he leaned back in his chair seeming to make his brows narrower and a convulsion seemed to go through his belly then he recovered his calm and seemed to forget for a long time he lay silent with a strange hypnotic stillness as if he were thinking far away quite far away both harriet and summers felt spellbound then from the distance came his small voice man that is born a woman is sick of himself man that is born a woman is tired of his day after day and woman is like a mother with a tiresome child what is she to do with him what is she to do with him man that is born a woman but the men that are born like ants out of the cold interval and are womanless they are not sick of themselves they are full of cold energy and they seethe with cold fire in the anthill making new corridors new chambers they alone know what for and they have cold formic acid females as restless as themselves and as active about the anthill and is identical with the dried clay of the building and the active important so-called females and and the active cold-blooded energetic males they shift twig after twig and lay crumb of earth upon crumb of earth and the females deposit cold white eggs of young this is the world and the people of the world and with their cold active bodies the ant men and the ant women swarm over the face of the earth and where then are the sons of men where are the sons of men and man that is born of woman man that is born of woman is a slave in the cold barren corridors of the ant hill or if he goes out the open spaces are but spaces between ant hill and ant hill and as he goes he hears voices claiming him saying 
Hello, here comes a brother ant. And they hailed him as a brother ant. And from this there is no escape. None, not even the lap of woman. But I am the son of man. I was once a man born of woman. And by the warm heart of the mother that bore me, even if fifty wives denied me, I would still go on fighting with a warm heart to break down the anthill. I can fight them with their own weapons, the hard mandibles and the acid sting of the cold ant. But that is not how I fight them. I fight them with the warm heart. Deep calls to deep, and fire calls out fire. And for warmth, for the fire of sympathy, to burn out the ant heap with the heat of fiery living hearts. That is what I stand for. And if I can make no one single woman happy, I will make none happy either. But if I can let out the real fire of happiness from the heart and bowels of man that is born a woman and woman that is born of man, then suddenly he broke off. And whether I can or not, I love them. He shouted in a voice, suddenly become loud and passionate. I love them. I love you, you woman born of man. I do. And I defy you to prevent me. Fiery you are, and fiery am I. And fire should be friends with fire. And when you make me angry with your jealousy and mistrust like the ants, I remember, I remind myself, but see the beauty of the fire in her and think how the ants have tortured her and filled her with fear and horror. And then the rage goes down again, and I know I love you, and I know that fire loves fire, and that therefore you love me, and I chalk up another mark against the ants who have tortured you with their cold energy and their conscious formic acid that stings like fire. And I love you because you suffered from them as I have. And I love you because you and your husband cherish the fire between you, sacred, apart from the ants. Abale for me. I have been like a man buried up to his neck in an ant heap, so buried in the daily world, and stung and stung and stung again because I wouldn't change and grow old till now their poison is innocuous, and the formic acid of social man has no effect on me. And I've kept my warmth, and I will keep it till I give it up to the unknown out of my poor fat body, and it is my banner, and my wife and my children and my God, just the flicker that is in my heart like a fire, and that I live by. I can't speculate about God. I can't do it. It seems to me a cold, antish trick. But the fire that is in my heart is God, and I will not forswear it. No, not if you offer me all the world. And fire is full of seeds, full of seeds. And let them scatter. I won't cherish it on a domestic hearth. I say I won't. So don't bring up that against me. I won't cherish it in the domestic hearth. I will use it against the ants while they swarm over everything, and I'll call fire to my fire and set the ant heap at last in a blaze, like kerosene poured in. It shall be so, it shall be so, 
don't oppose me believe the flame in your heart once and for all and don't oppose me believe the flame of your own heart and be with me remember i am with you against the ants remember that and if i am abraham's bosom isn't it better than no bosom in a world that simmers with busy ants and would you leave every young warm naked thing on the ground for the ants to find would you he looked at her searchingly she was pale and moved but hostile he swung around in his chair swinging his heavy hips over and lying sideways shall i tell you a thing a man told me he had it from the lady's own lips it was when the prince of wales was in india just now there had been a show and then a dinner given by the governor of the town some capital or other the prince sat next to the governor's lady and he was glum silent tortured by them all a bit beyond bearance and the governor's lady felt she ought to make conversation ought to say something to the poor devil just for the show's sake and the occasion so she couldn't think what to tell him that would interest him then she had a brilliant idea do you know what happened to me last week she said you've seen my adorable little pekingese chew she had puppies four darling queer little things tiny little creepy crawlies of course we love them but in the night i thought i heard them crying i wasn't sure but at last i went down and what do you think there was a swarm of white ants and they were just eating up the last bits of them wasn't it awful the prince went white as death and just then an ant happened to come on the tablecloth he took his glass and banged it over it and never spoke another word all evening now that story was told by the woman herself and this was what she did to a poor nerve-wracked lad she was supposed to honor now i ask you where was the living heart in her she was an aunt a white aunt too he rolled over in his chair bitterly with massive bitterness turning his back on harriet she sat with a pale blenched face and tears in her eyes how cruel she said but she must have been a fool vile vile no fool quite brilliant ant tactics there was a warmth in the lad's heart and she was out to do her bit of the quenching oh she gave him her nip and sting ants social ants social creatures cold i'm as cold as they are when it comes to them and as cunning and quite as vicious but that's not what i care for i want to collect together all the fire and all the burning hearts in australia that's what i want collect the heart fire and the fire will be our fire that's what i do want apart from all antics and ant tricks we have lighted such a fire this day master latimer yes and we'll light another you needn't be with me if you don't want to if you're frightened of losing your monopoly over your precious husband take him home then take him home and he rolled his back on her more than ever finishing in a sudden gust of anger and weariness he lay there rolled in his chair 
a big queer heavy figure with his face almost buried in the soft leather and his big hips sticking out her face was quivering wanting to cry then suddenly she broke into a laugh saying rather shakily and venomously well anyhow you needn't turn the wrong side of you at me quite so undisguisedly how do you know it is the wrong end of me he said sitting up suddenly and letting his head hang scowling falcon de parler she said laughing rather stiffly somers was silent and kept silent till the end he was thankful that kangaroo was fighting the battle this time their host sent them home in his motor-car neither of them had anything to say then as herrick shut the door of Tureston, and they were quite alone she said yes he's right i absolutely believe him i don't care what he does with you i do though says somers the next day they went to mullumbimby and the day after that each of them wrote a letter to kangaroo dear kaiser kangaroo began harriet i must thank you very much for the dinners and the violets which are still quite fresh and blue in cooey i think you are very horrid to me but also very nice so i hope you don't think the worst of me i want to tell you that i do sympathize and that i am awfully glad if i can be of any use to you in any way i have a holy terror of ants since i heard you but i know what you mean by the fire Lovat will hand over my portion when he comes to see you, but I shall make myself into a fire brigade, because I am sure you will be kindling fires all over everywhere, under the table and in the clothes cupboard, and I, poor domestic wretch, shall have to be rushing to put them out. Being only a poor domestic female, I really don't feel safe with fires anywhere except in fireplaces and in grates with hearths but i do want you to know you have my sympathy and my lovat she then signed herself harriet somers and felt even more fluttered than when she had signed the marriage register she received for answer dear mrs somers i am much honoured and very grateful for the assurance of your sympathy i have put a one and sixpenny government stamp under your signature to make your letter a legal document and have further forged the signatures of two witnesses to your deed of gift of lovat so i am afraid there is no court of law in new south wales in which you could now substantiate a further claim over him i am sorry to take this mean advantage over you but we lawyers know no scruples i should be more than delighted if i could have the honour of entertaining once more in sydney say next thursday a beautiful person and remarkable woman one and the same individual who tells me to my nose that i am a jew and that my name instead of benjamin should be abraham do please come again and call me abraham's bosom but don't fail to bring your husband for the simple look of the thing the kangaroo is a fighting beast i believe said somers looking at harriet and laughing he was not sorry when for once some other person gave her a dig i think he's rather foolish she said briefly these days somers too was filled with fury 
as for loving mankind or having a fire of love in his heart it was all rot he felt almost fierily cold he liked to see the pale sea of green glass that fell in such cold foam ice fiery fish burning he went out on to the low flat rocks at low tide skirting the deep pock holes that were full of brilliantly clear water and delicately colored shells and tiny crimson anemones strangely sea-scooped sharp sea-bitter rock floor all wet and sea-savage and standing at the edge looking at the waves rather terrifying rolling at him where he stood low and exposed far out from the sand-banks and as he watched the gannets gleaming white then falling with a splash like white sky arrows into the waves he wished as he had never wished before that he could be cold as sea things are cold and murderously fierce to have oneself exultantly ice-cold not one spark of this wretched warm flesh left and to have all the terrific icy energy of a fish to surge with that cold exultance and passion of a sea-thing now he understood the yearning in the seal-woman's croon as she went back to the sea leaving her husband and her children of warm flesh no more cloying warmth no more of this horrible stuffy heat of human beings to be an isolated swift fish in the big seas that are bigger than the earth fierce with cold cold life in the watery twilight before sympathy was created to clog us these were his feelings now mankind ha he turned his face to the centre of the seas away from any land the noise of waters and the dumbness like a fish the cold lovely silence before crying and calling were invented his tongue felt heavy in his mouth as if it had relapsed away from speech altogether he did not care a straw what kangaroo said or felt or what anybody said or felt even himself he had no feelings and speech had gone out of him he wanted to be cold cold and alone like a single fish with no feeling in his heart at all except a certain icy exultance and wild fish-like rapacity homo sum all right who sets a limit to what a man is man is also a fierce and fish-cold devil in his hour filled with cold fury of desire to get away from the cloy of human life altogether not into death but into that icily self-sufficient vigor of a fish end of kangaroo chapter six part three of three